Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. I am your host, Jessica Van, the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. I have the pleasure of speaking with Mallory today, who was most recently the executive assistant to the president and CEO of Marcus and Millishap, which is a global real estate investment firm. Prior to her time as an executive assistant, Mallory's career was actually a, a little bit of a different, um, a, a different uh, path. So her career was spent serving several different nonprofit organizations, including the San Diego Youth Services and also Shakti Rising, a national organization for women. This background in nonprofit makes for a natural segue to something like an EA role, given your clear passion for serving others and, um, and contributing. But for the purposes of this conversation, Mallory is here to talk with us about her personal experience of being at somewhat of a crossroads as she thinks through the next steps in her career. So having spent the last eight plus years as an executive assistant, Mallory finds herself in somewhat of a reflective state of mind as she is thinking about and trying to determine what's next for her. And that might be another EA position. It also could be something entirely different. So today, Mallory is going to be sharing her story, um, and we're hoping that just in hearing her kind of reflect on and take stock of where she's at, it can also offer some guidance and encouragement to our listeners out there who might find themselves in a similar place. And, you know, you may be feeling ambivalent or unsure about where you're headed with your EA career. And we're hoping that um, Mallory's story will offer some ideas to ponder or um, uh, maybe even some uh, resolution or um, possible reignition of your passion for EA work. So um, without any further ado, we'll, we'll just jump right in. So again, thanks so much for being here, Mallory. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be, be here and thank you so much for inviting me. I think I'm leading my main... I guess North Star in this interview or discussion conversation is honesty, just being thoroughly honest. Obviously, that's what we all try to be, but um, not sugarcoating anything and just really being, um, I guess, fully honest about where I am now after an eight-year EA career. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is something that so many people will relate to. And, and that's why I, I appreciate you um, offering, offering us your honesty and, 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 and really being willing to share that because that is something very, very personal. And, and we as people are always evolving and, you know, taking stock of where we're at. And, and I don't think that there's anything wrong in um, considering the fact that maybe, you know, you could have changed or your desires could have changed, especially in a span of time as significant as eight years, right? So anyway, so to, to, to get started, um, my thought in, in kind of approaching this is really to just kind of talk about it as we would if we were going to 
you know, meet and, and have an interview, right? And, you know, just kind of asking you lots of questions, um, questions about what makes you tick and kind of what contributes to or detracts from your enjoyment and satisfaction, how you find fulfillment. Those are the types of questions that if you and I were sitting down and I was saying, okay, Mallory, what do you want in your next role, right? That's how I would probably approach that with you. And so I think for the purposes of this podcast and our discussion, I, my thought is to take kind of a similar um, approach. Um, so maybe you can just kind of share with us what you enjoyed about your last your last company and your last position, um, especially because you worked there not once, but actually twice. You, you worked there, then did something else and then returned there. So I'd love to hear just kind of what, what it was that you enjoyed and, and really how you found fulfillment and um, what were the elements of what you were doing that were really satisfying to you personally? Absolutely. Well, yes, I did work at Marcus Militech twice. I, I started out there, I think in 2012 and worked there for five years, left to EA for a uh, woman at a different company. And then they recruited me back and I ended up assisting the CEO, as you've mentioned. And what I loved about Marcus and Millichap and what attracted me to coming back when they asked if I would is the autonomy that I had in that role. It, that, that industry, it's a c- commercial real estate and that the culture of the company was really one where you figure it out. Uh, here's, here's what needs to get done. Do what you got to do, get it done. And, you know, some people might like a little more training, handholding. I, I really loved being thrown in the deep end. It sounds odd, mm-hmm. but just thrown in the deep end and set, told to swim. And that works really well for me because I am an independent thinker. I like to develop systems. I like to develop a network and explore that network of, okay, who's in this company? Who has the answers? It's oftentimes the unexpected person uh, who has maybe nothing to do with your role or the department, but who's just been there for 30 years and knows everything. I, I love that exploratory process of how do I get to figure out how to do my job? And they, you know, treated very, very well there and rewarded. Um, I guess the, the compensation was definitely attractive. I was just I just feel like I was treated very well and allowed to just run with whatever task I was given. I mean, I guess I'm adaptive because the the company that I left Marcus Millichap for and worked at briefly was kind of the opposite. It was more team oriented. They had a core executive assistant kind of network community within the company. So the EAs all supported one another. It was a little different at Marcus and Millichap, a little bit more on an island. But I liked both. And I, yeah, when you're talking about stability, I think that's what attracted me to the EA role and why I stayed for so long. Uh, because coming from the nonprofit sector, and I, I came from grassroots nonprofit, Shakti Rising is a, the most, it's it, super, super grassroots. And I loved that work. But we were, you know, cleaning our office and fixing the printer. And there was just, we were doing everything. And to come to a larger company for profit where 
I really could just focus on the work was an interesting shift. And it really does speak to this question of fulfillment because when I started in nonprofits, I just wanted to change the world. I just wanted in some small way, I wanted to do something that made a difference and helped people that were in a position that couldn't advocate for themselves. And it was extremely rewarding. And then I go into this huge for-profit industry. Mm -hmm. And I found that the congruency there, it just, it wasn't a huge step to take. It was, I was able to make very meaningful differences in people's lives in a different way. And so I I think just looking for that meaning, it can be found, at least for me, I was able to find it in every role that I held. So which is a really nice segue, I think, for my next question, which is, you know, what is it that you really enjoy about EA work? And when you were the most content or the most excited in your EA position, what was going on for you at that time? What what was happening that, that led to those feelings of fulfillment? The thing that stands out for me the most is feeling a true feeling as though I had a a true partnership with my um, principal, I guess you'd say, my supervisor, the the person I was assisting, where we, it did, it felt like we were working together towards their larger goal. And that probably happened a little bit more in my first two EA roles with, I assisted a senior vice president at Marcus and Millichap. And he was he had just come on as a managing director. And so he was establishing his quote unquote office, how he wanted to operate. And I came in and we got to develop that together. And it was really fun. It was, we had great rapport and I felt like his partner and it was, it was just fun. And he had super funny guy, just Mm -hmm. really, I mean, we, (laughs) he'd come in every morning whistling and singing a song and we, and it worked really hard and it was high stakes, but there was a lot of fun and lightness to it. And I'm still in contact with him today. He's just someone that I, I feel like that role really led to me being where I am today. And that was true with, um, the woman that I assisted at HD Fenton as well. We really teamed up to uphold the culture of the organization. That was her, her chief, her chief um, task that she was furthering was how to integrate the core values of the company into all of the support departments. And of course that translated to a lot of different things, but it was really, really fun. And, and this last role assisting a CEO is a lot more, um, it was a wonderful challenge. I, I think the thing I loved most about that was how much I learned things that I never thought I would be doing as far Mm -hmm. as prepping for media appearances and marketing. And I mean, everything from HR to legal to, I mean, extensive travel. I know all of these roles that we recruit, you probably recruit for scheduling extensive travel. I mean, extensive travel. I felt like I learned so much just about that. (laughs) Anyway, I, I digress, but it, there was, there was a lot of learning. It was a lot more it was a, a very full job and there was, I was never bored. We'll put it that way. Never bored. Let's talk now about kind of the, that spark, right? The, the spark that 
you once felt um, and had for the EA position and, and how that's kind of started to dwindle or decline. And, you know, is it for you, is it something that's specific to the career itself? Or do you think it's maybe more specific to the environment or, you know, the conditions that you were supporting in? Great question. I'm still kind of exploring that. What ended up happening for me probably about two years ago, my I, my now husband, we were engaged and getting married and we had found a love for, this sounds so off topic, but we found a love for backpacking and long distance hiking. And we were spending more and more time outside, outdoors, hiking. And that, so I caught that bug. And Mm -hmm. what ended up happening for me was the time that I was spending indoors in front of a screen. It sounds so, it may sound trivial, just like, well, you know, everyone has to work in front of a computer. It got to the point where I was so physically uncomfortable of just, Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it was like a restlessness in my soul. I'm like, I just, mm. I need to, I, I need to be moving. I need to be outside because my last, my last role, as I said, I was, I was working. I mean, I was just going, just sprinting all day. And the great thing about that is never bored. And also 10 hours pass, whatever it is. And I've been in front of a computer all day, multiply that by three years. And yeah, a, a toll get a toll, you know, a toll was taken on my just person in general, my spirit, my soul. And then I have this in the background, this hobby that we're doing. So we got he and my husband and I got to talking about this dream of hiking the Pacific Cross Trail. One I was day. just going to ask you <laughs> if you did the PCT, the PCT trail. <laughs> one yeah. day. That is a whole yeah. other podcast. You, there could be a podcast about prepping for it. I'm sure there are. Oh my God. There that's a, that's not funny. a podcast. That's a novel. That's a movie. Yeah, they, I mean, it has been, right? Multiple, multiple it is. movies. Yeah. And it it's, um, so in order to, hike the Pacific Crest Trail, obviously you need to be in a position in your life where you can take five to six months off of work and you have a savings to be able to do that. You have the time to train for it. And so that was kind of in the back of our minds and it, it came to be more and more of a a deep calling. And I just got to this place where I'm like, I feel like my heart and my soul is longing for something different. And I am out of integrity by, by being here. And what's funny is, so what used to be something that was really fulfilling that I enjoyed and felt accomplished. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I did great. I worked Mm -hmm. hard. I got this done, started to become, uh, really tiring and really, Mm -hmm. It, it was enervating in a different way emotionally. And it was harder and harder to do what we need to do as EAs, where you you really put your own stuff aside and you show up in a true service-minded spirit of, you know, it doesn't really matter what's going on. For me, I'm here to be of service. I'm here to, be, to add something to this office, to add something to the C-suite, to be a point of brightness in all of these executives' work lives where they're you know, they have so much on their shoulders and that got harder and harder for me. Whereas before it was, it was more of a naturalness. And so I did, I did decide to take a leap. And there's certainly, if you think about just the plethora 
of ways that we are allowed to be industrious in this society and make a living, there's a million ways that we can do that, right? And, and, and it's sort of like this misnomer to think that, oh, well, office work or corporate work is the only kind of work that, um, that I can do. Yes, there's definitely, uh, there's certainly strong reasons for why people are compelled to those environments. And, you know, we don't, I, we can talk about that or, or not, but I, I think that, that kind of the reasons are, are kind of obvious, but there's also a whole lot of people that if you were to tell them, okay, your job is to sit for nine hours and, and look at this screen, like they would just look at you like you were absolutely insane because it just would, it would never work for them. Right. And, and so I think like there's, there's really no judgment either way in <laughs> what, what works for you. It's a question of what, what works for you. Right. It's not what it is, but it's just understanding and, and getting to a place where you're comfortable kind of recognizing what you need. Um, so to the contrary, I don't think that it's insane by any means to think, okay, this just doesn't, you know, why can't I be fulfilled doing this? Well, I think that, that that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable feeling and thought, you know, plenty of people feel that way. Absolutely. And I, I guess I still have a little bit of that story, that, that myth that feels very true that the only way to make a reliable living is in the office. And I am the, <laughs> I am so risk adverse. <laughs> I am like, I do not, I like stability. I love a regular paycheck. I love just knowing I'm, I mean, I'm as far as my finances go and my life, I like things to be very organized, predictable. It's definitely an uncomfortable leap to listen to the people in my life who love me and mm -hmm. are like, that's not the only way kind of like just what you said that there are so many different things that we can do because also in my mind I think everything that I love to do it's it's a hobby it can't I can't make it into something that I can make a living out of you know I just there's no way I think of my you, you know being a yoga instructor you know paint whatever it might be it's like well you can't really make a living out of that can you and that's what I'm exploring now of looking at, well, what lights me up? What makes me excited to get out of bed? And how could that potentially be something that I can, can support myself doing? And it's still an exploratory process right now. Mm -hmm. but it is, mm -hmm. and, and back to kind of another thought I had as you were talking, Jessica, I'm not sure if I just needed a break or mm -hmm. if it's a true change in career. But I did, I did leave, I gave three months notice at my last job because of the role that I held, there was, it just would have been completely inappropriate and disrespectful to give any less really. I mean, I guess some people don't have that option, but I did give three months, was able to really prepare, trained my replacement and um, got them all set up and have had some time to think really since December and explore. And it is, it's really interesting what people are doing out there that mm -hmm. involves nothing to do with an office and they are living completely different lives and paying their bills and saving money. And mm -hmm. it just, it's very eye opening. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's just a fascinating learning process. Yeah. So how has that thinking evolved for you? I mean, when you, in the last couple of months, right? Since, since when you left your position to now, how has your 
thinking around what what possibilities are available to you or what might potentially fulfill you going forward, how have those those thoughts were sh- uh, taken shape? Well, I started out once I was completely disconnected from my position, which that that was key because as long as I was even training my replacement, I still felt ownership of that. And I, I could, I needed to be completely disconnected to start asking the questions of, well, what do I really love to do? And what sounds like something exciting to me? And I will just mention, we were planning to do the PCT this mm-hmm. year. So we would have been leaving in a few months, but with COVID and the PCT didn't offer permits last year. They did offer them this year, but we were waiting a year to really ensure that we get the experience that we wanted, where we aren't threatening anyone's health and everyone's vaccinated and this whole thing has passed. So we've been left Mm -hmm. in this position like, okay, what do we do in the meantime? And Mm -hmm. it started for me with drawing. I've always loved drawing. And so I just started drawing and then I started gardening. I've always loved gardening and I just hadn't really had time for it. And so now we we've started a landscaping company actually, and have been landscaping for the past two and a half months throughout San Diego. And it is, it's just a lot of fun. It's, it's an interesting, it was an, an interesting observation to, have my alarm go off at six in the morning because we needed to go to Home Depot or something for supplies. And Mm -hmm. I'm jumping out of bed and excited to get going. And that just hadn't happened for me for a while. And so I just actually, right before I sat down, I was just at a succulent farm up in Carlsbad. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, walking through rows and rows, as far Mm -hmm. as you can see of plants and I'm also doing some pottery and selling arrangements. And so we've, we've been able to bring in money already. And I, I'm not a, I'm not really, I guess I'm kind of starting to be an entrepreneur, but I have so much to learn, but that's where it's starting right now is okay. Plants, art, design, beautifying people's space and Mm -hmm. making it changing things from being an eyesore or a, a maintenance nightmare to something that's beautiful and easy to maintain and enjoy seems to be a path that I'm, I'm probably going to continue moving down at least Mm -hmm. in some, Mm -hmm. in some respect. So that's what it's looking like right now. And I I mean, it's so new (laughs) to be talking about. Mm -hmm. It feels a little Mm -hmm. like, ah, but um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how that sounds. It's just, that's, I'm, I'm just moving I'm trying to say yes to myself. Like, let's not talk myself out of it sounding crazy. Let's keep saying yes to how does my body feel? Okay. I feel great. It feels great to be in the sun. It feels great to be moving. I'm getting stronger. It's, it's different than doing an hour yoga class in the morning. (laughs) You know, I'm working eight hours in the sun, even had this experience the other day of we were staining someone's fence and I just was moving my paintbrush up and down thinking there's nowhere I'd rather be right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I don't know if I will come back to an EA path. I, I can see that happening for me potentially just depending on, you know, how things, how things flow with this business and with our, with our lives. But for right now, I'm going to keep, keep exploring. I, we have the luxury to be able to do so. And so, that's how it's going right now. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, what it sounds like to me is that you're really listening to yourself. It's like you've, you've kind of silenced very, very deliberately, you know, by giving notice and, and really choosing to kind of like, you know, cut off all of those distracting um, demands. And you're really choosing to listen. And you're saying, okay, I'm going to listen to myself. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to listen to uh, my energy level. I'm going to listen to, as you said, I mean, that, that was so clear, like waking up at six in the morning and being excited for the day ahead. Um, I think that there's something that's very, very revealing and telling in that. And, and, you know, it's not to say that, like you said, maybe, you'll, you know, you won't, you will, or you won't ever return to EA work, but it sounds like at least what you're, what I'm hearing you say is you can't return to EA work in the way that you did it before. And at least not now, not, not maybe in the future, maybe who knows, but right now, the only thing that you can really answer to and, and hear yourself on is how you feel in the present moment. (laughs) And in the present moment, the thought of being, you know, pent up in in an eight hour a day inside job is just not, it's just not fulfilling to you. So it's, it's funny. It's just the, the knot that rises up. It's the, that listening piece has become so clear. I I physically have a signal that's like, nope, you're not doing that. And, and that's even with sleep now, just listening Mm -hmm. to my, you know, there's so much that we sacrifice when assisting another person. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really a valuable experience to be able to push things to be able to be, it feels like kind of being a healthy adult or Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not a parent, but I would imagine it, there's some similarities to being a mom where it's like, you just have to show up and you just have to do what needs to be done. And I think that that can be really healthy and there needs to be that balance of pushing yourself to show up for others. And where do you get quiet and really, really hear what your soul is saying and what your body mm-hmm. is saying. And mm-hmm. um, it is, it's a, it's an awesome exercise and especially with COVID and everything mm-hmm. that's happened over the past year, I think a lot of us have received a glimpse into a different way of working and a different way of living. And I mean, even right now we're living, we, we purchased a, a home with another couple in San Diego. So we, we moved down here, we're developing a property in the back. And mm-hmm. I never thought we would be happy living in community with two other pe- adults. Um, mm-hmm. It's temporary, probably for mm-hmm. the next year. But it's amazing. And I don't know if it's mm-hmm. COVID where we're just so happy to be with other people. And we're like, yeah. oh, we can play Pinochle because there's four of us. Or, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we each have a different, <laughs> I mean, we each have a different yeah. dinner night. And, you know, one of us does the dinner and dishes completely one night of the week. And and there's just something so amazing about it that I never would have even tried. And COVID has just opened up this whole possibility of, Hey, like, how do you want to live? Like, how's your, now that you're stuck at home, how are you happy with your life? You know, are you happy with your marriage? Are you happy with your situation? Are you happy with where you live? Are you happy with your work? Uh, Because as what is her name? Glennon Doyle says the snow and the snow globe settles and all you're left with is the truth. And Mm -hmm. what's that truth for you? And I think that, Mm -hmm. that this past year definitely accelerated and heightened that for me. I couldn't ignore what, um, what, changes I needed to make. Yeah, I love that. 
I absolutely love that. And, you know, I, I think that though you said you're not an entrepreneur, maybe by nature or how you previously defined yourself, I think that there's something incredibly entrepreneurial um, about listening to yourself and listening to that inner voice or that inner calling. I mean, that is what fundamentally drives, well, I suppose there's many things that can drive an entrepreneur, but I, I think that that sense of um, internal conviction and being, to use your, your, your word, a North Star for yourself, I think that that's a huge um, attribute of what unites entrepreneurs. And I think that there's definitely an element to that that is awakening within you. There's been so many people that, that we've interacted with in our work um, that have said, you know, I'm, I'm now making the choice to, you know, stay fully remote, um, you know, still choosing executive assistant work, but saying, but I only want to pursue opportunities that, that are going to support me in being 100% remote going forward, because, you know, they want to have a different relationship to, to their life and their lifestyle. So, uh, totally, I think that, that, that there is kind of this universal reckoning <laughs> that, that is happening on some level with a lot of people. And um, I think that your story really typifies what, what is going on for a lot of people. Um, and there's definitely a, a level of, of I think, um, courageousness um, to be admired in, in, in what you're doing and just kind of like, you know, guns blazing like just kind of going for it and saying like I'm out and and I'm gonna go and and see if I can um find a different way to exist in a way that feels really authentic and 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 good and balanced for you so I, I think there's something very very commendable about about what you're pursuing thank you and I I do want to mention because it's it there's definitely a lot of courage involved but there is a lot of privilege involved. I, I do understand not everyone has the luxury to be like, I'm going to leave my job and pursue what I love to do and play with some mm-hmm. plants. You know, that is just mm-hmm. not the reality. And mm-hmm. it wasn't for me for a long time. The part of why I left nonprofits and even entered this industry is because I came out of graduate school with six figures of student loans. And it, it became clear. I, there is no way that I can, I mean, I had, at that point in time, outside of grad school, it was a $900 minimum payment per month. Um, And I was not making enough in the nonprofit sector to do that. So I move over to this industry and I ended up paying off my full debt, $120,000 a year and a half ago. And so I have been in a position where, you know, I really had to work. I didn't have the luxury of moving around and experimenting and playing and and maybe there are braver people than I that would might take out might figure it out and be more industrious but I I um you know that's just not how I operate and so I was able to save money over the past um you know year and a half to really enable myself to take some time and and be in a position where I can explore within my comfort zone you know um Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. there I know people who take really scary leaps that I really commend and might not get paid for a few years and they figure it out. And, um, but there are a lot of people who just don't have this luxury at all, though. I wonder, you know, where it's like, if you are committed to something, how possible do things become is kind of what I'm, I'm wondering. It's like, maybe I could have made a change uh, longer ago. If I, if I believed that it was possible, I just didn't. And so, um, 
that's something I, I just want to share with people. I'm sharing with people that, you know, that I, I know that are in a similar place that I am, that it's like, our lives are too short and we're too precious and our contribution mm-hmm. to this world is too precious. So make sure what you're doing serves a, a higher purpose in your life, which for me, it did, you know, I, I we're, we're in a place that we're really happy with right now. And I'm, mm-hmm. I don't regret a single day. I, I loved, loved that career and may return to it, just like you said, but in a different way. And like you said, I mean, that it was, it was a very um, meaningful and essential part of your narrative that this career and this profession, it, it allowed you to pay off debt. That was essential, right? It allowed you to, as you said earlier in our conversation, you were doing things you never fathomed you'd be doing, prepping your executive for media appearances and, you know, put, putting together decks and all, you know, all, all types of stuff that you didn't anticipate or see yourself being a part of. So, you know, there's, there's something absolutely um, valuable and uh, that, that you gained um, in, in that exchange. Right. Um, but again, it's the, the whole point is that sometimes, sometimes what we need changes. So I, I think like, what I'd love to hear you comment further on is, you know, what's been really helpful and productive for you during this period of reflection, um, as well as what's been kind of unproductive, right, in in helping you kind of evaluate your your path. Yeah, I mean, the two things come to mind. The first is the daily, minute by minute choice between fear and faith, <laughs> and by faith I mean believing in possibility, believing that, you know, things, things, things are possible versus fear. And that's, it just, when I go into the fear of, well, how will, well, how does that pan out? And like, you know, how will that be profitable? And, you know, I can't do this. I should, I, I need to just abandon all of this and find something stable and something regular. My mind, I am constantly straddling these two positions, I think I've heard them described as, you know, different wolves and the whichever wolf you feed gets stronger. And I need to make sure to be feeding the, the wolf that is cheering me on. And like, yes, like you go girl, like you are doing Mm -hmm. it. Like you are, Mm -hmm. you're living, you're outside versus the one that just feels that tells me I am foolish, that I am Mm -hmm. being juvenile, that I'm being naive. And, um, it, so what doesn't help me is feeding the wrong wolf. And then the other thing that came up is time management. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Not having, <laughs> not having a regular schedule. I have, I have been working a regular eight to five, nine to five, nine to six, nine to seven, nine to eight, you know, some regular hours, Monday through Friday for all, I guess over a decade. And to suddenly have a free day, the freedom of a day to construct it how I want. I, I've come to a place I have to actually create structure around my time. Otherwise it flies by and I look back at the day and like, how is it four o'clock already? And even with managing clients and proposals and, you know, different design proposals, I, it is, I've had to receive some mentorship and some help in that area around how to allocate my time. I'm actually also, I took on some part-time contract work with a a camper van company, just like for some side stuff and it's easy, it's remote, but, and that, and then I have a few other commitments in my life and it's just, how do I balance all of this? And so 
I can't really say what's helpful and what's not helpful because I haven't found a thorough solution except that getting help with learning how people in my situation and entrepreneurs manage their time is critical, is absolutely critical. And then shutting it off. You know, my husband and I are running this business together and uh, Jessica, I would like our marriage to be, come str- come out stronger with all of this. And <laughs> you know, when there's a woman that I involved in, she's like, right. in, you know, when you shut your bedroom door, no more business talk. You know, like it, there yeah. has to be a stopping point. And it's hard because I'm excited. You know, I go to sleep and I'm seeing people's yards in my head and I'm mm-hmm. d- designing them as I go to sleep and I'm thinking about yeah. plants and I'm, and then I just have to like research that plant real fast. And then I just want to ask my husband, like, can you do this? And you know, like, what would it take to do a retaining wall like this? And it, it just has, there has to be a stopping point. I have a final question for you, um, which is, and now I'm kind of thinking to myself, this doesn't really make sense <laughs> because our final question is always about if you could support anyone through the history of time, who would you choose? And, and it's, you know, you're, you're really, I, I, I yeah. will say, you, you, I, I know that this is your signature question and I will say I did think about you it. You did a little plan bit. an I, answer for us? Okay. Well, I, I had to sit and get quiet because just like your, your intuition is telling you nothing. I I could not think of anyone. I could not think of anyone. Nothing felt authentic. And so I got quiet. I closed my eyes and I'm going to sound crazy right now. But what came to me of if I could help anyone, if I could assist anyone, I'm going to sound crazy. (laughs) Go for it. I want to help. I get this picture of a woman like a nameless woman, old, like she has long white hair and she's in the desert and is harvesting plants where you wouldn't think there are plants and making medicine from things that you wouldn't think that are, you you could grow. And I just imagined myself by her side, kind of apprenticing, following her and having trouble keeping up, even though she's like super old. I'm just like, I see us like getting up when the sun rises and going out into the desert and learning from her, all of her wisdom. And I guess it's just like this, I don't know who she is or when she is or where she is, but it's, that's the feeling that the yearning that I'm getting right now, I, I would love to assist and apprentice with and help a woman who has plant medicine to share and who Mm. could pass that on to me. And something that I could pass along to my community and something that, that I deeply know, but just don't know that I know. I probably yeah. send cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but you know, like that's my heart speaking and yeah. um, who knows? I there. Yeah. So I'll end with that, but yeah. Thank you for letting me be myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is so great. And I, like I said, I, I think that your story is probably really, I, I hate to use the word common because that makes it sound like it's not special. It's, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that I think that it is um, applicable and, and, and relevant to a lot of people, whether they are open or can admit it. And, and, and by the can, as we talked about, there is an element of practicalness and, and privilege that may or may not allow people to it to heed this this calling right or heed this voice but I think that just you really 
being so revealing and, and so honest um, is just so welcome. And thank you for, for doing that and being vulnerable in that way. Um, because as I said, I, I think that you'll find whether you ever get that feedback or not, I think that there's a lot of people that are listening to this and nodding and going, yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, and this is one way that, that you found to approach that and to try to, you know, um, honor yourself in, in, in your own journey. And I really, I, I thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for, for giving me a chance to speak, speak to what's been going on. It's probably the first time I've really talked in depth like this. And you really have a knack at this, at, at you rearticulated what I was trying to say so beautifully. And I really appreciated this conversation. So thank you, Jessica. Mm. Thank you, Mallory. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.